Welcome back to Agonies, to the world of 1090-70X. In the previous issue, we met the Chilean cybernetic superhero team and our protagonists, the international amnesiac of mystery, John Doe, the cowboy scientist veteran of the Moon Wars and the protector of the Northlands, Berserkir, the imperial powers seem to be plotting something nefarious against Chile, perhaps against the entire non-alignant movement, for their ambitions know no end. Hopefully, with the help of our friends Maitel and Wacken Mackie, we will uncover this nefarious plot. And uh, we cut to the headquarters of System 4 and uh, we see John Doe sitting back of his station and the elevator opens and we see Jennings come in. Johnny Jennings gets out of the elevator, looks extremely flustered, has just a bunch of just like papers and like stuff rolled up in his hands, maybe a bit wild eyed. And he has all of this stuff. He sort of just like tosses it down on his station in the in the war room and uh, sort of like slides up to John Doe in a way that is as unobtrusive as possible and says, hey, uh, hey can I can I uh, can I bother you for a minute? Johnny, you know, you're not bothering me. Yeah, sure. What, what's up? Then I sort of relay just everything that I discovered about Alico at the end of last session and sort of what might be going on there, just very quietly. I'm trying not to attract a lot of attention from other people. Oh, well, I guess we should make uh, the others aware as well as, I mean, you want to take the day off and head up there? See, that seems that seems pretty good to me, just to maybe we just go out there and handle it. I mean, if we're being perfectly honest, like this is sort of my department anyways. I'd rather not try to bring it to the entirety of System 4's attention if I don't have any uh, actionable information to go off of. And I, I don't really outside of just something's going on. I mean, let me do a quick check on uh, my updates. And as long as I, we don't have anything else super pressing, I mean, I'll we can swing up there. As this is happening, tell me, what is the main monitor like? The one that has the actual massive threat information that is monitoring all the big world-shaking events that are going on beyond the things that each of you is individually tracking. To go full, like, retro-futuristic. And if anyone disagrees, please disagree now. Why are you keeping doing ontology? I told you about the spooky ghosts. <laughs> I, I know, and I'm going to spook myself saying this. It's a big CRT monitor that's just black with white writing. And it's so we all know how important it is that I honestly imagine when something major scrolls on it, it doesn't have a ton of klaxons or alerts. It's just a single like tone and a message relaying what the issue is and it's so it's blank so often that when it happens it calls attention to itself you shake it and uh, it's a direct call from someone from the system to the so-called DOS which they function as as the empire would relatively call as the intelligence network of uh, of the cybernetic socialist movement, it's basically it's people that are embedded in, the, in communities. They are people that live and work there, integrated on the culture, but they still have connections to the international beyond 
taking part as members of system one. So they actually monitor against outside the threats. And when something happens that the system one cannot handle, they send this message directly to system three. And then a system three cannot manage, then put it up to system four. And this seems to be exactly this case, something that Sheila cannot handle by itself that has been called by one of the agents up north. And uh, the message seems to be from the telex of one of the DOS agents that uh, is near Piconcara. And uh, yeah, this is telling you that uh, the local cooperatives are unable to deal with a mercenary force that is fighting and pushing them out of the occupied land. And they are calling for help. And uh, Chile has sent this to you instead of the authorities of Chile dealing with. So, Kikunkara, this name seems familiar to John Doe. Not because of something moving with the memories, but uh, the small mission that uh, lies on the edge of the desert was one of the first places which he visited on Chile and uh, he witnessed how they treated each other and uh, the cybernetic ideals were applied. So what memories flare as it thinks about Piconcara? John Doe really couldn't fly or take a boat down to Chile. I mean, you know, this is right in the era when America started really looking at passports and such. And uh, John Doe doesn't got any of that paperwork. He doesn't have any paperwork. So he had to a mixture of hiking, hitchhiking, sneaking on various vessels to get this far down here from L.A. And he remembers crossing the border and seeing other communities struggling with crushing poverty, growing cash crops for imperialistic forces and when he first came to Piconcara it was the first time he saw a community that was happy that wasn't struggling either their own weight and especially the weight that had been put upon them and the fact that the people were welcoming they didn't treat him as a possible you know spy from these forces they have to answer to but as a welcome guest in their homes yeah, and um, you, Jennings, you remember the name. Oliko was based around Piconcara. So this might be exactly involved with this. They might be already doing their move, and this might be it. Well, Johnny, I do believe we uh, have something on the way we need to look into. Uh, this might be, I think, connected uh, to what I was describing. Joachim, you are welcome in the big city, the capital of Chile, one of the pillars of this movement. And uh, you're taking by pretty much everyone in the city. They point you in the direction of the headquarters of System 4, which is, you can still recognize, what seemed to be some kind of police headquarters. And uh, you see this building where the people that supposedly handle this are. So how do you make yourself known? And uh, this basically, from one panel, we see Jennings and uh, Doe grabbing their coats and leaving. And as we flip the page, we see a panel where we see how we are introduced to Berserkid. 
I, I do have a question. How big is John Doe and what's your character's name again, Sam? Johnny Jennings. So both John, <laughs> John and Johnny. Yeah, no, it's we really we planned very well. <laughs> so how big are they? Are they like average size? Johnny's a little bit bigger than average, I would say. Mm-hmm. John Doe is average size, but real wiry. Okay, I think going with the old cliche is we run into each other literally as they're going out the door and I come in the door at the same time. But I'm huge. I'm a huge person. I love that. I was going to joke suggest that I just hit you with my motorcycle. (laughs) Yours is probably a little less destructive. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. Literally that. Uh, Hi. Is this uh, the headquarters of System 4? Johnny like looks up as he bumps into this massive figure and he goes, Jesus Christ. And I don't think Ludo would I have had time to even change clothes at this point. Let's be honest. Will you even bother? Probably not. No, (laughs) because you had an entire journey. It's not the question of time. (laughs) It's going to be the local news. Viking reenactors sail from Scandinavia to Chile in longboat. So what you're saying is on top of the fact that you're enormous, I'm now having sort of an extreme sensory overload thing going on where you probably smell it's bad. I, just, I don't I, I don't I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah. And in Viking garb, Johnny, as John Doe also cranes his neck back. I think Johnny starts to slowly back away and he says, now, uh, now, who might you who might you be there now, fellow? I am uh, Joachim Yarv. I'm from... Uh, oh, we never gave the island a name. Uh, Isle of Falkrim from the north. I believe we, I was supposed to come here for... And I, I'm trying to... Looking for, like, the printout I got or something as an introduction in my clothes. Because I forgot where I put it. Uh, yeah. The thing is, you know, it was a modified Telex machine. That not only is kind of super science, it was customized towards your runic writing. <laughs> so, Jundo, does one of your former memories happens to be about uh, reading Lost Viking? Yeah, Brad, is that is that one of your character's memories, Brad? I don't know. Somehow the existence of Lost Vikings might be, but I doubt that with Jundo's particular skills reading dialect of Elder Futhark, if that's even what this is, would be that. That's so weird. You would think that that would be one of one of the lost memories that you had, is that you would be reading ancient Futhark. Instead, and a much funnier thing, just John Doe reaches up, takes it. Well, this uses the same runic alphabet as Elder Futhark, but how? Hey, Johnny, what's Elder Futhark? It's uh, old Viking talk. Yeah, you remember and you recognize that. And uh, you remember actually running through an erupting volcano as people just like uh, this person were chasing after you, throwing spears and axes while uh, riding raptors. John looks up at the guy, looks back, has that flash. He he grabs his head and just, Joachim, is it? Yes. I'm John Doe. If you remember me, I'm sorry. I don't. I'm going to extend my hand. I extend the hand, but not the, to the handshake, but to the wrist shake. John Doe does it back, figure it out. Yeah, we're me and my companion here, Johnny, we're members of System 4. Yeah, but uh, you hear those words, but a muscle and body 
tone of this man is completely off, Joaquin. It tells you that uh, he's priming himself to fight because the memories, they seem to be getting a fight or flight instinct of him, even if uh, because of the amnesia, his mind is not fully catching on. But you don't know that. You know that this guy is preparing himself to fight. I nod in respect. I see you're off to battle. Yeah, we got some business up north we need to go take care of. Sorry, it's, it's a Joachim. Yeah, Johnny, nice to meet you. Um, can I? Uh, we are sort of on our way out the door. Can we help you with something? You were talking about there. You got this transmission here. I don't read it, so I'm actually not sure what I was supposed to warn them about because we never. I never got the actual what I'm warning them about. That's the thing. You're warning them about vibes. Oh. Like, this makes no sense if we are the actual target. The target must be somewhere else. And this is to draw the attention to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. But everyone is trying to monitor what is happening here rather than the actual blow. Apparently, the Bald Eagle Empire is uh, planning a feint using us as bait for a strike somewhere else. But I have been on a boat for over a few months, maybe. I don't know. You lose track of time as you're rowing. I could use a good battle. Luda, would that sound to me like what, like that, that Joachim is basically on the same trail as we are, this thing up north? Yes, it would. Problem is, remember that you just spent so much effort to get rid of Kenyonia and you only have John Doe available to you? Ah, fuck. And uh, this person seems worse than the beater of them. <laughs> <laughs> and as Johnny is saying that and having this thought, John Doe looks up and just, I mean, from what I remember, you guys are pretty good at this sort of thing. Why don't you come along? What? Excellent. To battle! What? Wait, what? I'm already going north. You said go north. Fuck. Johnny just turns and looks at John and he's like, man, we can't just invite every single person that we meet. I know he's big and strong and looks like a Viking and he'd probably be pretty useful in a scrap, but let's be it. We can't just keep inviting every motherfucker that just happens to cross our paths on superhero missions. Come on, man. Johnny, here's the thing. I know this sounds terrible, but I have a feeling from a lot of my memories, I wasn't a great person and uh, his people were attacking me in my memories. And if I wasn't a good person and they were attacking me, that probably means he's a good person. Let's go. That is how the transitive property works. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and fire stuff up. Don't use the term transitive. I don't understand. Never mind. Yeah. We start heading towards towards the site of concern here. Pikunkara, I guess. Yes. We have to very quickly go and stop Yokim and be like, hey, man, we have a faster way to get there than just running. I don't know if you ever look at the map of Chile, but shit's long. A continent size long. Shit do be long. Shit do be long. Chile do be known for being long, though. Hey, at least we're like in the middle of it. Pikunkara, it's really on the north. You make your way to Picuncara, which is going to be where the last train station coming from the capital ends. And uh, this region, it uh, used to be a place that uh, produced pretty much all the fertilizers of the world. And uh, a lot of the settlements here, they were against the coastline or struggling against the desert. And uh, 
it was all about this extraction of nitrate. So what does Joachim says as the trains approach the region, a reminder of uh, this former role as the capital of nitrate fertilizers and the impact to the natural beauty and the people that live here, that even if this industry has moved away for over a century now, that still lasts to this day. The land, it's the spirits of the land. They, they're all gone. Yeah, that's uh, kind of what they do. Yeah. I don't think, I think like seeing that level of destruction also kind of bothers Johnny too, considering he is sort of from a backwoods area. He's spent like a lot of time out in nature, so he doesn't like seeing it all torn up either. That might even affect Johnny a little worse because did you say he grew up in the foothills of the Appalachians? That is correct. Yeah. East Tennessee. And I know you probably have said, but yeah, the, the shale pits and shit up in the high Appalachian mountains. That does generate sort of a very specific response in him, but it's mostly just anger. Yeah, uh, John Doe looks, what do you mean the spirits of the land? There's ghosts in the land? There's spirits uh, everywhere, at least in my land. And usually I can tell that there's some around, but here it's like they've all been driven off, scared away by the destruction. Oh, I mean, makes sense. Yeah, it's real rough looking up here. So you arrived to the city and uh, the city, it was a boom town because of all the industry around, but uh, it uh, fared pretty badly as there was the continued desertification of the environment and uh, the water source became contaminated or just dried out. But uh, John Doe, you see sign of a new life. And uh, tell me, what do you see as you leave the train station and you walk down its streets as you prepare for transportation through the desert, what do you see that reminds you that cybernetic socialism has given new life to this place? Something that lots of people from the two major empires would dismiss as a horrible thing, but everyone else enjoys. They're tearing down a huge old villa built by someone to be as close to the train station as possible for convenience, and they're replacing it with a community center. It's going to have a living food garden that's actually the set of the process they're in. They're knocking down some of the walls in an old garden that was devoted to the owner's vanity. You see them planting fruit trees and someone organizing vegetable patches. So Jennings, this is your mission. This is your poison. So what do you use as transportation for this mission and what preparations are you taking? How are you going to plan to trek through the Atacama Desert? I mean, I know you know what I want to say. Yes, I want you to say it so you cannot get away of it later. Uh, can I have two sidecars on my motorcycle? No, uh, that would be insane. I mean, like it would be it would be like it would be bizarre to drive a motorcycle up there. Like we have to get pretty far. Like, I mean, I, I just think that like this is a matter of relative urgency, as I understand it. Correct. Yes, it, it might be a literal invasion from what uh, from what uh, Joaquin is saying. And, uh, you know, and the alarm suggests that the people that already been fighting mercenaries for a long time are finally calling for help. The situation has grown beyond the point that they can control. So it's definitely something that uh, the system must return to relaxation fast. Otherwise, something bigger might come. Would we have access to air travel or did we go by train? Because I know you were talking about the train station. 
to get to Pikum Kara, you needed the train station. The question is how you're going to be crossing the desert. Also, you're going to need to rendezvous with the people on these doors that uh, they live on this old mission on the border of the desert. So you're not going to need to rendezvous with them. So you're going to, you don't have to just cross the desert. You need to go there, meet with the doors. They're going to give you the details that they cannot be sent through telex and uh, they're not happening. So you might need to actually, you know, actually track the desert, not just fly over. Gotcha. Then, yeah, I would have put the bike on the train with the sidecar. Ooh, that's good, Brad. I think actually, yeah, it's I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a World War Two surplus Jeep just because that would have been just a little bit too far away. From, from where we are right now, I think it probably is something that would have been like a leftover from Vietnam. But yes, it is a it is a World War II, or no, it's a uh, Vietnam War Army surplus Jeep with a rack for the bike. So who do you ask for this? Uh, you can see the major things of Picuncara. Uh, that is the Transandine Cooperation League, which uh, seems to be the people that handle the expansion of the track between the nations through rail. There is the North Chico Institute of Immunology, which is uh, a relatively new institution that uh, seemed to have revitalized this part. And uh, as an academic, you recognize their work as basically being a center for the most, uh, well, for high education on Picuncara. Then we have the cooperative of Chilean white makers of uh, Picuncara, Calpicun. And uh, we also have headquarters of uh, Oleco Corporation. And you figure that uh, they might have the equipment that you can requisitioning on behalf of System 4, or there's always the option that you ask either the local commune of Picuncara or whoever speaks for the different ministries of the Chilean government here. The question is more uh, who you approach in this hour of need. Well, I think I can rule out Alico. That seems like a bad idea. I shouldn't attract any more attention with them. I can't see higher education having access to a Jeep that they can just be like, just take this feel like and Brad, if you want to throw some input in on this like i don't know who we should ask for this this stuff but i'm thinking the ministries but i'm worried about bureaucracy like tying that up and making it take too long i mean on one hand the bureaucracy might make it take slightly longer but on the other hand it feels better asking them for it rather than like hey give us the like that's kind of my preference because like if i don't necessarily want to ask the locals because i feel like there's probably not a whole lot of cars going around in pikun car and inevitably, when one of us crashes it, we don't want to have to be like, hey, sorry about that. We're going to try to get a, a government issued vehicle. So, yeah, we would be trying to go to the ministries and ask them for transportation. Would the fact that we're representatives of System 4 hold any water with them? Would they like that or would they hate that? Well, yes, but uh, remember one thing. System 4 is part of the cybernetic socialist movement. It was a project of the previous president. Right, 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 right. And these people. Now we have El Poeta, an old influential 
communist across South America. So yes, technically you work for them because you, they work for the people just like you, right? But we all know the practical realities and this is why you're going to need to make a challenge to overcome this. So basically you want to maneuver this that you get as least with least strings as possible. Excellent. Very excited. I mean, I could see principle of the tactician coming into play here, just like having, I mean, just by the very nature of having a plan, um, like I could have decided that we were going to do all of this and how exactly we were going to go about it, like on the train. Uh, yeah. Uh, or even, you know, before you even left Santiago, you're already making the do arrangements with the minister so that you have the jeeps waiting for you on Piconcara. Okay. So yeah, everyone gets a hero point and use your max die. Yeah, I think that's probably what I would have done. I got a four. Okay, so let's see how these boosts work, because Euclid's definitely was one. I could really use a boost. So the question is, is Berserkir or John Doe creating a boost? I will create a boost. I can. Okay, so what are you creating as a floating thing that might help? I, I think once we show up, just seeing a seven foot five person is pretty imposing. And it's just like, uh, we'll call this boost bullying. Well, it's I'm looming. Basically, I'm looming like I'm the muscle. <laughs> five is um, a plus two. So let's create the plus two boost. Uh, impressive. You get there and uh, you are causing quite the, the impression. This system for people coming in. So it creates the, the impression that very urgent things are on foot. So do you want to create also a boost that then can be used, John Doe? Of course. So what are you doing to help your situation? John Doe is going to do the simple thing as one of the most public members of System 4. He's going to create the boost proper paperwork, which is my favorite sentence to say about John Doe. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 very good. He's just, <laughs> listen, I don't know much, but I do know how to, how to have these forms filled out in a triplicate. I got a six, which creates a plus two as well, I believe. Proper paperwork. Yeah, proper paperwork. Right, you got. Okay, so which of the books do you tag then, Johnny? I mean, I feel like it's almost certain that the boost that makes the most sense here is proper paperwork. Okay, so that boosts you to a six. The thing is, the action succeeds, but with a minor twist, it is exactly the same outcome as a four. So in case you want to go back, you can. Actually, yeah, then yeah, then I don't wanna I don't wanna waste that boost then. Yeah. So, yeah, so this is happening. And uh, so the thing is that you come with a minor twist and uh, you're using the flashback, right? Yes, that is correct. So you approach the ministry and uh, they agree with your requests, but uh, there is a condition. There must be an attaché from the government driving one of your tracks or jeeps, depending what you ask. What are the negative ramifications of that, potentially? Uh, well, it's going to be someone that answers to the government and to their ministry. So if there is something that you would rather have that the government does not know, they will. Not. Can you think that there might be things that you don't want the government to know? 
Are there things that I don't want the government to know? That was rhetorical. Could we just make this person stay in the car when we're not like actively headed somewhere, like when we're stopping? Well, yes, but uh, you know, you're gonna need do that and that has to work on that moment but uh, it's gonna be a normal person so you think that at least they will keep away from the fight i mean i'm not gonna lie i as a player think that this would be hilarious a little bit to have just some regular dude just driving us around while we do like superhero stuff i understand that like that like the, the possibility of information getting back to the government that we don't want getting out is definitely imminent but you know maybe we can do a nice keep your mouth shut thing at the end you know one of those nice comic book moments where it's like the secret's safe with me even though i'm you know blah 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 so well ask the other players if they are yeah how do y'all how do y'all feel about all that Joachim is not the most secretive person is the thing. So he doesn't see a problem with this. I also have to wonder if Joachim is incredibly familiar with the machinations of government as a concept. A little bit, but hasn't experienced it in a like a couple decades. Gotcha. John, what do you think? All right, I'm going to ask is, Brad, what part of this mission do we need to keep secret? It's us doing the System 4 thing and investigating a genuine threat to the systems. I will say there are considerable things, or like a considerable number of things about Johnny Jennings' identity that he does keep pretty secret. That's the only thing that I can immediately think of. So then, as John Doe, I'm okay with having some oversight. Worst case scenario, we just don't disclose exactly where the hot tip came from. Yeah, that uh, that seems all right. Hey, John, we've literally never talked about this, and I'm not sure how it hasn't come up at this point. But uh, God damn it, when we're around this guy, I need you to call me Willard. What? I have a cover identity. I don't want to talk about it. Wait a second, Willard. Yes, you pointedly mocked my choice to go by John Doe because that was the what they referred to me as on the police reports, and your cover identity is Willard. Dr. Willard Cash. Yeah, I, I, I kind of panicked. Uh, they asked me my name and I just sort of said a thing. You mocked John Doe and you're Dr. Willard Cash. All right. I just, you know, take your time. Rub it in. Will Cash? Will Cash what? Well, it's, it, it would actually be Willie Cash if you really want to. I don't know. I panicked. Just shut up. Whatever you say, Doc. It's, you know, you think you're prepared for everything. And then all of a sudden, Doc is also fine. You can call me that if you want. I'd be all right. Whatever you say, Doc Money, let's go. Oh, fuck me. We go get our thing. Dr. Willard Cash gets his government-issued vehicle. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, it comes with uh, Elena Olivar. And uh, she does not say much, except introducing herself. My name is Elena Olivar, and uh, I'm with the Ministry of National Defense. And uh, she is dressed in... uh, Olive tone uniform, kind of more of a jumpsuit suit than a uniform, actually. She is waiting on Piconcara with uh, all the equipment that he requested. So is there anything that you want to do in the city before you leave? Would there be any information that it might behoove us to get while we're here? It is if you look for it. It is not if you don't. What do you think, gang? I think when all, all that, while they're getting all the paperwork and all the equipment... I'm schmoozing it up at the pub or the bar or whatever it is. I don't know. You can get on one of the local taskers and uh, just uh, boozy tap. Yeah. How are you ingratiating yourself on the local culture? Definitely asking for what's on tap first. 
and uh, buying a round for the bar and paying in actual gold. <laughs> I don't know if that's an accepted currency right now, but usually gold is accepted pretty much almost everywhere, except for certain civilized countries. Yeah, and uh, it seems like this is a wine region. There's a lot of wine. and uh, A lot of wine. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of wine. So and I, I will start boasting of the battle to come. And I don't think did any of you on the trip here tell me to keep this quiet because this is secret mission or is because if not, he's blabbing. He's about to go into a great battle between some invasion forces. I 100 percent would have told you to. I would have absolutely super definitely done that. Just been like, hey, man, everything about this is like extremely, extremely hush hush. We really can't tell anybody about this because if the wrong people find out, they're going to start getting in the way of some stuff. And uh, that bald eagle empire he were talking about, and there's a lot of information that they sort of can't have. If they do have it. They will cause a great deal of problems and a great amount of suffering for a great many people. So please, you know, try to be as discreet as possible. I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life, but, you know, I would really appreciate it. All right. And I, I think it takes the like uh, they don't get drunk, but they definitely start asking about any of the problems in the area. And they they will respect. Uh, am I supposed to call you Willard or Johnny or Doc? What? I am getting confused. Around all of, all of the locals and everything. Doc is great. Love that. It's very simple. Always remember to respond to that one. Willard is fine. Just don't call me Johnny around them. It is my real name. So when we get back home and everything, you can feel free to call me Johnny. But just while we're out here. Yeah, uh, I got it. And I put my finger to my nose. Don't want your enemies to find you so easily. Good plan. Yes, exactly. Yep. And internally, I feel like that gesture, the nose gesture, Johnny doesn't trust that at all. But this guy seems pretty, at least from the battle angle of things, seems pretty, pretty well in tune with things. So he's like, all right, I think this is going to be fine, probably. So I will be trying to pick up information. Okay, so the key part here is because, you know, any kind of conversation is a two way street. Mm hmm. The people of Bikunkara, they are delighted to learn uh, your ways and your culture. They never saw anyone like you, and uh, you never saw anything like them. So it's very exciting in all directions, but also can allow some misunderstandings. So time to make an overcome role. Well, I don't like my odds right now, so I'm going to go ahead and declare I'll use the... I want to use the imposing or the, or the impressive. I'll use the impressive. Okay, so tag the impressive. Uh, so yeah, that succeeds completely. And uh, they actually think that you are a voluntary, that you are actually here to join on the fight. And uh, some of the people that you can notice that uh, they don't belong to the dominant culture that you have seen around. They value some of the drinks and uh, they tell you, we have seen... Uh, a bunch of other indigenous volunteers to join us. But uh, we have to say, we never had someone from as far away as you. Oh, wow. That is very interesting. Yes, um, where is the fighting right now? Where is all the fighting? And uh, they cross the eyes to each other. So we want to liberate the oasis. The thing is, the people that are doing this, this is not uh, what like it was with Salvador. These are not uh, militias organized by the government. 
There are some militias that are organized by the government, that's true. But the ones doing the fighting now, they are Qataristas. They are from the Ayamara people and others like us. And uh, they expect this to tell you something, but when you don't react, they go the extra step. They are anarchists. They operate uh, not only within the borders of uh, Chile, they operate across uh, the entire Andes region. And uh, they want to devolve to the people control of the hydric resources that are held by companies with Olico. But the thing is, they've been fighting alone. And great part of that is because they did not trust these cyborgs. And definitely they did not trust El Poeta. This is a fight that we have to fight. Now, going, this is in my head. I was told there was an invasion force. What they're saying is that there's a bunch of locals forming up their own military right now. That's what I'm understanding. Is that correct? Uh, no, because this is it. I'm not going to let you misunderstand. What you get is that instead of being the military that is fighting this, you realize that the locals made their own militia and they are fighting the mercenaries. Oh, okay. From the from the American Dutch Corporation. Okay. Apparently they are having trouble and when they called for help, they called System 4 instead of calling the Ministry of National Defense, mm-hmm. which is good because there is nobody from the Ministry of National Defense here. And yeah, it, it's exactly because, you know, they don't think in terms of national entities. Mm-hmm. They are the people that have lived here for centuries before these borders and control of the land and the water limits their way of life and affects people beyond the border of Chile. So a lot of these people, they are not even Chilean nationals by any definition. Okay. And they have been the ones that have been fighting. But this also means why they have not gotten the support and why Jennings find out uh, that this situation has been dragging down for years instead of, you know, the government kicking all equal and that's it. Okay, okay, I get it now. I get it. Sorry, I, I got the two. I got. I thought they were talking about the invasion force not being like a militia, but okay. I. No, no. These people they don't know about the invasion force. They don't know about that. But they know the fight that they have been fighting. Okay, cool. And uh, they tell you that if you want to join, you have to present yourself to Jaim Kuelar, which is one of the Ayamara leaders of one small column that has been fighting. And uh, they suggest that you meet him and uh, see what he can give you. Probably without our volunteers. But where can we meet them? They get a crude map and they draw you possible points in which their column is known to operate and hope that uh, you could find it. And uh, this thing is, they seem to be quite deep on the desert and uh, they seem to mostly go between two bases in the mountains and three oases that uh, used to be occupied by Oliku, but uh, they burned their oil plantations and uh, they turned it into a grassland for their cattle. Cool. I will relate that to the other two when I get back to the truck. Oh, will you? Within earshot uh, of Elena, Oliver. Unless they stop me. 
<laughs> so I went to see this scene happen. Paint me the scene. First, Jenning and John Doe paint how it looks as you are ready to enter the desert. So that then we can have uh, Joachim join them. So John Doe is filling up an extra thing of water. He's hoisting the bike onto the rack because he's, you know, super strong. Locks it in, making peaceful conversation with Alina. You're from the ministry to make sure nothing wild happens. Yeah, I'm making sure that this track stays back in condition. We never know when we might need it. Civil defense and whatnot. And uh, she is inspecting the radiator of the car, making sure that, uh, you know, there is enough fluid because you're going into the desert. We cannot allow the conflict to boil over to Piconcara. If something happens here, if there are some mercenaries that dare to come here, we need to be ready. Yeah. Here's where Johnny's at. He is a tactician. He's a planner. That's like his whole deal. I feel like he is just constantly waiting basically for Joachim to accidentally say the wrong thing. So he's just like, he's just like, no, nah, we just shouldn't talk about anything. We probably just shouldn't talk, period, about anything. And unless, you know, and he'll just like whenever Elena has to stop to go to the bathroom or whatever, because I'm assuming at some point we'll have to stop and use the bathroom. He's just like, all right, quick, tell me. But uh, before, well, we, we got to set that up because we're still preparing to go out in the desert. And I actually look directly at Yakim and like, does that place have anything to eat or is it just booze? Uh, I think it's mostly wine and maybe a few nuts and stuff. I don't know. Luda would attache from the government, Alina. We'd be able to like basically tell her like, hey, if you want to hang out over here, we're just going to run into the pub real quick. Have a quick snack before we go. Do you want us to pick you up anything? Could we do one of those so we can just like have her not right next to us before we set off? Get everybody on the same wavelength? Yeah, you can do that. I think that's what we do. I tell her, you know, we're just going to like pop over here for a bite. And, you know, can we get you anything while we're there? So I relate everything about the, an- the indigenous anarchists and the fact that they're of this Yemi Kueller who is kind of leading them. And he, he's at he could either be here, here or here on this very crude map. All right. Yeah, we're all on the same page. What do they have to eat at this place, Ludo? <laughs> they don't have much to eat. Like snacks, right? Uh, they do have melon and some avocados, not many. And uh, yeah, they do have melon, but most of it, they serve it with uh, with pork or wine. I'm going to just look at Johnny and just very seriously, as seriously as John does said anything. Dr. Cash? Yes. Did you pack anything to eat? Of course I did. Okay, let's go. I'm hungry. Um, I do pick up like a, a at least a small container of like some melon bites for like or some melons cut into cubes for Elena. Yeah. And uh, you get on the road. So now it's going to be a challenge to cross the desert. So there are three things that uh, you need to hit on the overcome. So to traverse the Atacama, you need to not get lost. So you must do an overcome challenge to not get lost. Oh, no, <laughs> not again. <laughs> Yeah, not again. Yeah, you need to manage the supplies so that, uh, you know, it lasts and uh, you don't lose the tracks. And uh, very important, you need to get there on time because time is of urgency. But the thing is, you don't have to do that immediately because your first stop is to meet the doors that sent the message. And uh, you cross into the desert and by nightfall you are entering a ghost abandoned town that uh, has been claimed by the desert. And there is this imponent church 
mission fortification left there by the colonizers. And uh, it is one of the few places that uh, is inhabited here. And uh, John Doe, you know the place. You were here and uh, you recognize the woman that uh, comes outside to greet you holding a lantern. Uh, the nun is Hermana Juana Medeiros. And uh, she was one of the persons that uh, took care of you when you stopped here on your way to Santiago. And uh, you remember very well how much she dislikes Americans and superheroes. And good thing that there are none of those around. I'm going to look at Sister Maderos and look over at jo at uh, Dr. Cash. Dr. Cash, I have some excellent news for you. Uh, what's that? I know, I know her. As I get out, she'll be very fond of you. Hey, uh, this is. I, I'm going to be honest with you. This might be the first time I've ever heard you say you know someone. What's the vibe? What should I be expecting here? Well, Sister Medeiros is very kind. She loves everyone except for uh, superheroes and Americans. And I'm going to slam the Jeep door and walk over to her. <laughs> yeah, and that's when you see that uh, in one hand she has the lantern and the other she has a shotgun. And uh, the young man narrows her eyes as she recognizes John Doe and immediately points the shotgun there. I knew the devil would be coming back from the desert anytime soon. Why could not they have sent anyone else? Sister Medeiros, you don't need to point the gun at me or any of my companions. We're here to help from System 4. I'm not here to cause any trouble. Uh, yeah, hi. I'm, would she know my actual name or identity, Ludo? Should I be introducing myself as Johnny Jennings or as, as Dr. Willard Cash? She does not know. She's a dog. She's just local System 2. I, I just sort of wave and I say, and I'm, I'm Willard Cash. Hi, it's nice to meet you. We're here to help. What's up the, with the tall, quiet one? He's also here to help. And I'm going to just tap. This is Joachim, a new friend. It seems Christ Jesus has made it this far, too. As you start to notice that there is a lot of pagan tattoos and fetishes and talismans on, on them. So, so there's probably one more thing she doesn't like that Ludo didn't mention. <laughs> Actually, no. Actually, she does not seem to react to that. She seems to linger on your skin. Well, you better get some sun cream. You're going to need it. And she does not invite you in, but uh, she pushes the heavy doors as they creak. Welcome to the Patrono, the last thing that remains. And uh, inside you can see a bunch of tents, a small hut made of uh, plastic that you recognize as, well, Jennings recognizes as an archaeological uh, equipment group. And uh, on the building proper, she pushes again the door and uh, she shouts, Excellencia! And it echoes. So she takes large steps, pushing her skirt as she cavalcades the enormous stone, uh, stone stairs. And uh, you see a bald old man doing something with some pincers under electric light. And as you approach, you see that uh, he seems to be cleaning or restoring some kind of ancient bronze figurines. And uh, he seems to be playing with them. Oh, no. He discovered me. Oh, you will never take me alive. And uh, Joanna Medeiros coughs and she coughs a few times. 
before uh, His Excellency Bishop Emil Ferrero turns around and he adjusts his glasses. Oh, John Doe, what a delight! Bishop, I'm so glad to see you. Ah, please, please. Oh, you have made friends. Yes. We are now two for two on people that, that actually seem to know John Doe and that he also seems to know Johnny is just like a gape. He's just, what? John Doe points. He's like, this is my friend, Dr. Willard Cash, and my new friend, Yakim. Willard Cash is my uh, colleague as well. Johnny waves just sort of uncomfortably. Just, hey, how y'all doing? So you are out with System 4. That's impressive. That's impressive. How delightful. Sister, please get some uh, tea to our friends. And uh, he gets up and uh, takes you to a colder room. Please. I'll go with and wherever he gestures to sit, sit and just, I'm sorry we have to visit under these circumstances. Ah, it's always like this. Nobody comes to the Patrona when they lie. The Radiant is here around. Do you know him? You know that the Radiant is a superhero, also an American defector. Would any of you three know him? Absolutely not. I very well might. I, I mean, like, yeah, I feel like most of the American defectors I'm at least, like, have a passing familiarity with at best, or at minimum. We'll say John Doe doesn't. We don't want to scare Johnny too bad by uh, having John Doe meet yet another person he knows. So what you know, uh, what you know, Jennings, is that uh, Radiant was some kind of evangelical missionary that was doing work for the Americans here, but uh, at some point defected and is some kind of double agent, or it seems to be. And this seems to be is why he's not part of System 4. And just gonna leave, just when he mentions Radiant, just I never met Radiant myself, but I'm sure it'll be a help in the coming issue. I don't think Johnny has a great view, religious folks. So he has a, he's a little bit leery. Is Radiant would be a resource for us in this, in this situation, right? Could be. He, a pretty organized mind kind of guy. So I'm pretty sure he's just kind of constantly sorting things into just like, this is, you know, one of our resources. This is a drawback, blah, blah, blah. He like, I think he's has Radiant kind of sorted into unknown factor category because he's never one to turn down a resource, even if it's somebody he's not particularly fond of. So he looks back at the bishop and says, so Radiant's been around here recently. I'm moderately familiar. We've met a few times. What are they up to? Uh, they are currently leading an archaeological team for protection. Seems simple enough. Honestly, if, if I may speak candidly, seems like a poor use of their... Do I know what their abilities would be? Uh, no. Okay. But I know that they are reasonably capable vis-a-vis superpowers, right? Yeah. Okay. Would that strike me as unusual that they're being basically attached to this like archaeological dig as like a bodyguard? Well, it would be if it would be a normal archaeological dig. So you get from this that uh, it has to be something special. Yeah, he to the bishop and says, "That's got to be a pretty interesting little dig they got going on. If there's a, if they've got a, a fairly powerful enhanced individual that's guarding the whole thing, might I ask uh, what the nature of the dig is? Are you familiar yourself?" Oh, I don't know much, and you can see by the way that uh, Joanna fidgets around that uh, as she carries the tea that she actually knows more than the bishop, and but the bishop uh, does not acknowledge that, and uh, as 
the tea arrives, he goes to the Telex machine and starts taking out multiple printouts. Well, let's see now the message that I have to send to Santiago. Mm. Is he kind of not paying as much attention to me now that he's looking at the Telex machine? Yeah, he is starting through the printouts to get you what he has to give to you. Bren, is Yakim like basically like next to me? Or are you inside just like chilling with everybody else? I'm inside, probably trying to handle the teacup. Okay. Um, I think I sort of lean over to Yakim. I say, hey, uh, that uh, lady doesn't know you and doesn't seem to have uh, quite the same animosity uh, towards uh, towards you that she's got towards us. Maybe she knows a little more than she's letting on. Maybe if you could, you know, get her in some kind of a conversation, she might be able to help help out with a little more, a little more info. Um, I'm going to keep this guy, uh, keep, keep the bishop here talking. Okay. I guess I will ask. So, uh, Joanna, is this radiant uh, a good fighter or a healer or what? I've, I've never heard of them. Ah, you know, the typical flying brick that uh, blasts away with power and runs away. You know the type. It's a dime a dozen among the Americans. Uh, yes. Uh, is that all? Can I get, can I, I don't know how to, I don't know what I would use suppressor for more, actually. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Will you press her for more information? What will they say? So they just make things blow up or I mean, how do they how does this flying brick operate? Like what are their specials? Well, well, he's more of uh, that type in terms of personality. And uh, she points with the kettle towards John Doe, you know, the cloak and dagger type. Cook and dagger. Ugh, not my style. I like to get in front and just smash him in the face. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Radiant thinks that uh, some of the people of this archaeological expedition are a bit shady, and that's why he has been bothering us hanging around. Mm, are they? I will not know. Okay. Two of them, they are German, and the other seems to be some kind of French. I think they said that they were from Quebec. I don't know where in French that is. I wouldn't. Uh, Brent does. I don't. <laughs> My character does. Does not. Quebec, uh, I think that's in... Maybe he does. Quebec, I think that's in Canada. Well, that will make sense, because they say that they represent a Canadian university. Pardon for interrupting. They happen to say which university? I don't recall. Mm, fair enough. And at this point, uh, Ferreira turns... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This is the message. So, this is a report from the the, the people... From the Copicum, the, the militias that they organized that they have been fighting off Oleko. They say that their position has been overwhelmed and they have to retreat because of mercenaries. So Oliko is now in control of it. The problem is, and this is why they send the message, is if you can see here, they list all those people that they were not able to report and check their safety. So the company, they are back in control of the land, but there are probably all these farmers that they are not leaving. They are still fighting, but now they are fighting on their own without the support of the cooperative. And uh, this is probably why they called you to investigate, to rescue these people and evacuate them. Because I don't need to tell you that would be quite the incident if you act like troops. Of course, we won't act like troops. We'll look into this issue and uh, deal with it discreetly. Johnny Jennings says absolutely fucking nothing when it comes to the idea of acting like a troop, because... <laughs> Just about the most accurate definition of his background. 
Joachim, you see a shadow go over his face. So we're not fighting a big battle and driving them from our lands? Now, Joachim, we will be investigating this matter as System 4, where we are fully entitled to look into this issue. How they react will depend on them. Huh. How we reacted, they're reacting. That is, that is sort of on it. You know, it doesn't matter. Anyways, uh, you were saying, Bishop? Well, you're going to have to be in a rush and you need to rest. And it gets pretty hot early in the down. So I will recommend you get some rest now for while you can. Thank you, Bishop. I think that might be wise. Johnny would tip his hat and say, thank you, Kenley. Anywhere around here that would be optimal for us to kind of lay low for a little bit? Uh, there are plenty of empty cells, and uh, Joanna takes you there. And as you go there, you look that uh, Elena Oliver is on the back of the truck, and uh, you can see the light drawing her silhouette against the canvas of the truck. And uh, you recognize another shape that you are, well, everyone of yourselves except Joachim are familiar with, which is the profile of a telex machine, which she is typing furiously on. Crimson Gold Agonies is an associate of Court Games and D20 Radio. Joaquin Jarve, aka Berserkir, is played by Brent Torreson. They can be found at Copper Credit almost everywhere. Check out their other podcasts, Splinters of Jade and L5R Thriller Actual Play. They are available for editing work. Message them for rates. Johnny Jennings, aka The Highwayman, is played by Sam Sedlachzer. They can be found at SGCA Delaysec on Instagram and Young Space Dead on Twitter. They are largely impressive. John Doe is played by Bradley Handler. You can follow him at Judge the Barbarian on Twitter or as co-writer on Split Roll, where he screams his opinions at you. Ludo handles the rest. You can find them at The Lettle and more of her stuff as Agonizing Crimson at Itchio or co-writing Split Roll. Sentinel Comics RPG is the property of Greater Than Games and designed in collaboration with Critical Hits. Crimson Gold Agonies is possible through the support of listeners like you. You can support us on Patreon or even better, you can review us on iTunes and you can spread the word because there is no better way to get into a podcast just because a friend told us about it.